Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast, a place where people are sharing their stories of how God has brought them life and freedom through Jesus. I really enjoyed reconnecting with Kristen. For two years, we lived a couple doors down from one another in our college dorm and share so many fun memories. In this interview, Kristen shares her experiences of walking through Jesus through struggles of worth and identity. She has wrestled with messages that people have intentionally and unintentionally pushed on her related to her experiences of being a larger bodied woman. Kristen openly shares how Christ has helped her to have love for her body and now seeks to help others who feel shame about the shape of their body. I hope you enjoy Kristen's story. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me on the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you get to be my first interview um, across the state lines, which is really cool, trying some new technology out. So, yeah, hopefully all the technology works for us. Here's hoping. Yeah. Um, So, Kristen, tell um, our listeners just a little bit about you. I know you because we went to college together, and that was way fun. I have great memories, but mm-hmm. no one, um, probably no one else knows you. So tell tell a little bit about yourself, who you are. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad we have our college memories together. Uh, since college, I moved back to the Northwest, where I'm from. Uh, I live in Seattle, Washington, um, and I'm uh, I'm a therapist. I'm a mental health therapist. I work um, in the a behavioral health unit in a medical hospital, and I have a small private practice. And in my private practice, I work mostly with women um, who are, some are coming out of eating disorder, uh, or they're in recovery from eating disorders, and people who want to be more alive in their bodies. Those are a few brief things. Yeah, that's great. Um, so one thing that I love to start the podcast out with is is hearing about what childhood was like, what your religious mm. upbringing was like, um, yep. if you grew up in a Christian home, what what your thoughts were about Jesus, God. I think um, I have one of those stories where I kind of didn't know people could not be Christians. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, I, my dad is a pastor of a non-denominational church and that, that I grew up at. Um, and my my sense of being a Christian was just really interwoven with my sense of being in my family. They were just uh, they were just intertwined. There was just no difference. But that said, as I um, living in Bellingham, Washington, which is up north of Seattle, um, you know, it's a in the '90s when I was growing up was just a um, a really um, sort of this postmodern. Uh, liberal, hyper-tolerant place. And so I really had these kind of distinct, I went to public school and I kind of had these really distinct realities that of what the culture around me was and what the culture was in my home. Um, and so um, I think I feel very fortunate that somehow Jesus has just always made a lot of sense to me. I know that's not true for everybody like in general, but especially for a lot of people who grew up in the church, especially for a lot of pastor's kids. So I th- I think there is um, a, just a lot of mercy that I've known that, that Jesus and I have been close for a really long time. 
and so I feel like I inherited the a faith from my family. Um, but especially in in high school and college, um, a lot as as a lot of life got really hard for me, and as a lot of um, just a lot of pain in my family, and a lot of um, Jesus just kept staying close. And so um, I have a lot of uh, ups and downs in throughout my life. And there's something I have a, I have a tattoo actually on my wrist of, of an anchor. Um, just that I think that it, I, I have known Jesus to be an anchor differently than anything else in my life, even though I've had really good people come alongside me for seasons or for decades. Um, I've, I've had, I've had a lot of blessings and a lot of fortunate things in, in many ways, but I've had a lot of really hard things. Um, I've, I became a therapist because I know that our mental health can be really precarious and can be, um, I, I've been, had a lot of depression in my life. And um, I think that I just sort of, uh, I don't know if I want to say I lucked out. That's probably not the language I want to use. Um, but I'm so, I'm so grateful that Jesus has always made sense to me. And so that uh, connecting to God has um, just been a, a very constant anchor for me. Yeah, I think that's absolutely beautiful. I know that that's something that we want for, like, my husband and I, we want for our kids. Like, yeah. like I think that is such a beautiful testimony of, of what Christian families long for and desires for their children to feel that way their whole life. So I think that's really awesome. And so we had kind of talked previously about some of the ways that Jesus has walked with you, and you kind of alluded to that through <laughs> some seasons of your life that were hard. Um, can you delve into that, um, both where that trial was rooted in or where it started, and then how Jesus walked you through it, and and then in the end, where are you on this side of it, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, I think how I uh, might zoom out from that question a little bit is just to say I don't have like one story yes. it, it sort of feels like that I just have the a lot of drops that have created like not just a bucket but like an ocean of stories um, okay. and a lot of them um, come from um, my my mom and I had a really tough go growing up we um, were very very different people and just fought a lot and um, I um, we, we just really struggled and that, um, set me up for a lot of confusion in the world about whether or not I'm lovable, whether or not I'm loved, whether or not, um, my, that my pain could be, you know, anything besides, um, an annoyance to someone else. Um, it was, there was, there was a lot, it was, it, there was a lot that was really hard in my home. Um, and I think that, Jesus has shown my mom and I so much mercy over the years, including in our now shared adulthood of um, learning how um, some of it's just even simple, like communication, just learning that we're re we have really different wirings, but then some of it's uh, a lot of other things. Um, and I, I think what I'd say is there's, you know, the beginning of, of John's gospel talks about that Jesus comes as the fullness of grace and truth. And and I think that's one of the the places in scripture that like where Jesus makes the most sense to me that, that he can um that he has shown me grace and truth. And so that in, in Jesus I found somebody who can 
tend to me when I'm brokenhearted and that I can experience that as grace and that he can push me off the couch when I, when I need to keep moving, to, to get mm-hmm. going with life, um, to not wallow and that the truth can be something to motivate me and that I, in, in, in which I found a lot of freedom. Um, and this is kind of a tangent, but it's, it's a little bit, it's one specific story is that this was, um, after college when I'm in my early adulthood, um, one year for Lent, um, or I, the, the background I should just say is that I've always been a class clown. I've, uh, being funny has always been, um, really fun for me and really natural for me. Um, and, uh, a coping mechanism in, in some of my pain, but in, I think I was 24 years old and it was probably this time of year, January, February. And, you know, we're heading, the church calendar is heading toward the Lent season. And, um, I felt called that year to give up trying to be funny for Lent. Um, <laughs> not giving up not giving up being funny, because it was the sense of like, if and when funny things just bubble out of me, that's how I'm wired. That's how I'm created. I don't want to get in God's way of, you know, what's good about me. But I had this real sense that like my need to be funny was way too uh, big in my life. And I kind of didn't know how to connect to people if I wasn't always trying and so for 40 days to try to not be funny was one of the, well, it was really painful. There are a lot of times it meant that I was just silent if I wasn't trying to make a joke. It just reoriented or rearranged uh, so much of my sense of, like, my worth in relationships, my sense of value in this world. Um, and so I feel like I can now readopt um the, the parts of me that love to bring joy to others, that love to be funny. Um, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's such a crutch anymore. Now it's like just a part of me that, mm-hmm. that I get to live out of. Um, and so I can also hold it like the times where I have a joke to make and I don't say it out loud. That's no longer like a painful experience to me to like not get a laugh or something. Yeah. I know that's like a silly example in some ways, but it it's, a really formative moment for me that like the Jesus could meet me and could really tell me how, how much worth I have outside of this one thing that I'd built so much of my identity around. Right. Um, so right. that one specific story, even though I have like, again, that drop in the bucket kind of a feel, I have a lot of, a lot of small stories like that. Sure. So it sounds like to me, I'm hearing uh, one of the great battles and shackles that you have had to fight in. Um, let Jesus set you free from is this identity of who you are um, in Christ and, and letting Jesus define who you are rather than um, and, and giving you value opposed to you trying to generate your own value. Yeah. Is is that a good summary? Absolutely. And the ways that I feel empowered by God to, um, you know, take the baton and run the way is that so it's not just receiving my identity from God, but also, um, well, that's obviously the, the, the starting place, but then, you know, knowing that I get to be a partner with God in the work that I'm called to in this world, that I get to, um, make a difference too. And in the, in the ways that, um, that I'm called. And so, um, I think something about being a really active participant once I've received, so like knowing that I receive it first, but actively participating in it, has, uh, has really shifted a lot for me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really good. Um, so probably related is, um, to this 
idea in this conversation is one of the things that you're currently pursuing now, which is counseling and um, sharing with other women or helping other women through their identity issues, their image yeah. issues. Can yeah. you share a little bit about your journey through that and how, again, Christ met you and um, and where you're at now in that? Yeah. And it's, it is interesting that even though you and I are video Skyping right now, that since nobody that listens to this knows me, they may not know that I'm a larger bodied woman that, you know, not being able to see me that, uh, I'm, I call myself fat and I'm great with that word. Cause I've done a lot of work around that word. Um, and if you haven't, maybe don't use that word, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> being in a larger body, um, has been a, a huge part of my life story. And um, I think that it's, so I'm, I'm 35 and it's only been um, in the last about three, about three years where, where Jesus and I have done a lot of wrestling and reckoning about, um, about my relationship to my body. And so, um, you know, I know that how even you and I reconnected recently, that I, I, I spoke at something at my graduate school and that um, I'm sort of on this kick now of of wanting to really share um, how I have uh, the increasing measures of freedom that I that I know in my body. Um, I I think there's um, I think there's a lot to be said for um, listening to um, our individual bodies and knowing that in terms of size. Um, our body's size is so just set by genetics and that um, as we are invited to pursue um, health in so many areas of our life, physical, emotional, mental, relational, spiritual, um, that health doesn't always have to mean um, being smaller bodied. Um, and there's a lot of good research out about that now. Uh, there's this movement called Health at Every Size, that so H-A-E-S, um, They've got some really great stuff of just saying how to how to find really uh, how to have your body be really alive regardless of size, and I think that sort of learning more about uh, some of that approach just makes so much sense with my sense of my understanding of the gospel, my sense of um, how the aliveness um, to which Jesus invites us um, is, I think, a really particular aliveness that. You know, Jill, that the call on your life is going to be different than the call on mine. Um, and, and I think I just keep learning that that's okay also in terms of, like, our bodies. That it's really, um, I think, a broad vision for how, like, diverse and uh, unique the kingdom of God gets to be when we have so many different types of Christians, so many different types of people worshiping the same God. And I just want to be a voice to continue maybe expanding our or the visual of that to say that a lot of different body sizes get to be represented too. I listened to your talk, the one that you gave at your graduate school. And I was really struck by uh, the way that you brought out um, the things that you felt and um, the experiences you had that really singled you out. Um, can you share some of those Um yeah. And and how that hurt, but also like how Jesus met you in that and, and how Jesus set you free to where you didn't have to 
cling to the, or you didn't have to fall victim to the, those identities in the end. I think that the, the church right now finds itself um, in, in America um, existing within a culture that really values dieting, that really values um, a thin ideal. And I have experienced that pressure to be thin in so many different ways. You know, some of it's just, you know, like, I mean, we just had New Year's and, you know, so all the commercials, so many things about weight loss, so many push, push, push for change your body, how it is is bad, get a better body. Um, and um, I think some of the ways that some of that there's um, the subtle, well, actually, it's not subtle, but the sort of constant messaging um, in the media, in, um, you know, never seeing um, a fat woman on like TV shows or in movies where um, where they get to just either have just a really normal role if they're not sort of a punchline. The way there's something I think about representation where when we don't see ourselves in um, places of either power or in people enjoying themselves, it's uh, really easy to take that negatively. It's really easy to say that I must not matter then. Um, and and so there's some of it's just sort of that cultural piece that that's sort of the water that I've swam in, so to say. Um, but I, you know, I've had uh, a lot of really very specific personal um, harm about being in a larger body. Um, times where, um, you know, I was with a, a friend at a restaurant in the last couple of years and she got up to use the restroom um, and the table next to us was this couple and they were, they had just paid and they were getting up to leave. And so right after my friend left, so I was alone at the table the woman, as she's like putting on her jacket, just leans over and says, you should get the salad. Um, looks like you need it. Um, and just, you know, unsolicited comments like that, um, is, if that was a one-off, um, I would be easy to get over maybe. Um, but things that, ways that people feel very free to comment on larger bodies um, because they are still seen as like a deviant from the, both from the norm, but also the ideal. Um, I, th I think of ways that doctors have talked to me when I have gone in, um, a dentist, when I went in for a, you know, just, I had no cavities. I had, and it was just for a cleaning and talking to me about my weight. When I've gone in to see an ARNP just to get antibiotics for some nasty cold that just wouldn't go away for, for forever. And her recommending weight loss as a response to a head cold. Um, that's, really terrible medical care I can see now at the time I couldn't see that I thought you know especially people with impressive credentials behind their names telling me that um that the anything that was wrong with me was because of the size of my body um that's a message that is is really um out there for all bodies to absorb and so I think it's different for larger bodies to um to have to contend with that and, and so in the last couple of years, as I have been, um, wrestling more and more with Jesus about like, do I get to find, do I have to like kill myself in some way? Do I have to like mutilate myself, um, to find joy in my body in this world? Um, I think a lot of the rest that Jesus has invited me to is, um, is one through this sort of health at every size movement to know like that I am taking good care of my bodies as I'm called to, 
but within that, knowing um, that the size of my body um, doesn't that doesn't need to be a disqualifier for me um, in in any sense um, in terms of my professional vocation. You know, there was a lot of times while I was in school to become a counselor, I had this a lot of this you know sort of like extra baggage I was carrying about like, well, who's going to listen to me if I'm the way that I'd internalized a lot of like um, fat phobia is that I thought who would listen to me about their emotional world if I don't have my physical world in order. Um, And that still, that still rings true to me as an insecurity, but um, I now feel so invited by God to love the body that I have and to be so grateful for it. Um, and I think that the call to gratitude for what we have in, in any realm of our life, bodies included, for me has become such that the antidote to uh, insecurity, to anxiety, to so many things. It's, you know, it's, it's not that formulaic. It's not like it's just I've learned to be, grat- to be grateful and then, to, you know, oh, I'm solved. But over the years, as I've begun to learn, um, I can't hate what I'm grateful for. Um, and the more thankful I can be for my body, the less I hate it. And the more that I can start calling out, I think the insidiousness of diet culture that will tell me time and time again, to try to keep hating my body. I love how you shared how Jesus helped you through that and learn to love your body. I think that's really good. How do you define knowing what you know, what it means to take care of your body? I, that's a really interesting question to me because I wonder if I'll have a different answer in five years. But my, yeah. my current answer is, um, I, well, actually, just even in this very week, I've been thinking a lot about, this may sound like a tangent, but it'll loop back, I promise, is that I've been thinking about at the end of John's gospel where Jesus is recommissioning Peter and he says, you know, do you love me? Feed my sheep three times, you know, and do you love me? Feed my sheep. And the last time Pete, Peter's like, Lord, you know I love you. Like, well, feed my sheep. And then my, the way I think of, the way my I read it is that Peter turns around and goes, well, what about him? Like, it sounds like he's trying to get himself off the hot seat with Jesus. Like, you know, John's eavesdropping. Like, what about that guy? And Jesus says, what does it matter to you? You follow me. And I think there's, that could be a slightly dismissive question. You know, what does it matter to you? But I think there's something of the intentionality that, that Jesus invites us to or the intentionality with which he invites us to our particular call, that what was for Peter was not for John. And so I think there's, that's, and I spoke to something about that earlier, but I think there's something really precious for me in that right now, that me learning, um, even just the cues about like, when I need rest, when I need to move, like when my body is like, has energy and it's saying, get off the couch, don't be lazy right now, move me. I need to, I need to respond with respect to when I hear those cues. And when I'm hungry, I need to eat. When I'm full, I need to stop eating. And I think learning those cues and just realizing that's uh, what is going to be different for every person. So even if I'm sharing meals with people, they may be full before I am. And that's if I'm with integrity listening to my body, I'm listening to the body that I have. I may need, need more food that day or that meal. Um, or if I'm full, I get to stop eating. Um, and so there's something of this sort of differentiation of that you get to both follow Jesus, you know, in, in, in all the ways that you are called, 
um, but that you get to have integrity with how you listen to your body and that I think that can be dicey that that won't be the same for me. I think, or what I think is dicey about that is that I think we love like prescriptive rules. I think we love when we can say like, follow certain, you know, behavioral patterns. And so this is good or bad, right or wrong, in or out. And I think there's um, a far more spirit led invitation that I think that Jesus has certainly given me and that I think he gives to the church to, um, to trust that we can follow the spirit in terms of our own health, that we can follow spirit in terms of learning to reconnect with our cues if we that our body you know babies are born knowing they cry when they're hungry or when they're tired or uh and when they need to you know wiggle when they they move and so that we have this in our dna and i think we just learn to not listen to it and i think Mm -hmm. culture our culture really perpetuates us not listening and so i think there's something of trying to really practice faithfulness and listening to um our cues even when it may be different from somebody else but just knowing that sort of this trust for other believers of knowing that if you're listening to Jesus with your body, with your whatever realm in your life, with your finances, with your relationships, with anything, it may look different than how my life looks. But if I can say with a clean conscience that I'm following Jesus, then we just get to be shoulder to shoulder. We just get to, you know, be on the same team. And I think that is a lot fuller picture of the kingdom of God than just a bunch of narrow-minded rule followers, you know, who are just yeah. trying so hard to get it right. Um, right. That, that we actually miss out on abundance. Yeah, I think that's right on. I really do. I think that's beautiful. Um, and I think that that can really generate a greater sense of unity within the body of Christ, um, opposed to, like, this judgmental, like, well, you're not doing it right, or... Yeah. You need to do this or that, um, not just about you know, what you, how you take care of your body, but in every regard. And I think that especially, I think this is a way that if we are willing to learn how to interact with our individual bodies differently, I think that it can allow us to interact with other people's bodies with so much more grace, so much more compassion, um, because um, I think... Um, at least in my experience, this has been more true with women in my life than with men. But I think there's something of, um, we, it's really easy to connect with other people, other women when, you know, oh, you're trying to change X about your body. I'm working on Y, you know, like it's this point of like, you hate this about yourself. Oh, I hate this about myself. That's often a point of connection in, Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of, whether you're Christian or not, I think, um, that's a way women connect, and I think that that shouldn't be in the church. I don't think that's what we're called to, um, is to, mm-hmm. I, um, I think if and when those are places, you know, we want to grow, then I want to support you and in, in you're growing, but I don't want to uh, connect with people over self-hatred anymore. I, I, yeah. That is antithesis of the gospel uh, as far as I read it. Yeah. That's really good. I love that. Um, one of the things I've loved about our conversation, I'm kind of shifting a little bit because um, I really um, like this about you and, and what you're saying um, in, is that when you speak of Jesus, it sounds so personal. It mm-hmm. sounds like he's your brother or he's your dad or, you know, like he's so close. And We're good, um, but we go way good. back. Yeah. yeah, you do. And I love that. 
how do you maintain such a relationship like that with Jesus? To back up, you know, kind of where I began by saying that even if there was so much goodness for me being raised in a Christian home, um, there was, um, there's also just like, with that previously mentioned tension with my mom, especially, but in my home, um, there was a lot of ways that I did not learn how to um, tell the truth about my experience um, whatever the experience was, good, bad, or ugly, I, I had, I thought there was sort of an external ideal that I had to live up to. And I think, um, over, especially in my adulthood, um, learning how to just be really radically honest with Jesus, um, and just knowing, risking in increasing measure, you know, uh, how open I would be with, with Jesus about different things, um, and to continue being met, um, with, with such kindness, with so much compassion, often with, you know, a call to, um, toward maturity or toward, um, I, 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 not to say that I always like what Jesus tells me, that is very much not the case. He often wants me to be less selfish than I am. I don't like <laughs> hearing that. And it's like, I, I just think I've had enough good role models in my life to know that I don't get to pick and choose though. Like I don't get to I don't get to deafen what I don't want to hear. Um, and since, um, you know, I live in Seattle and a lot of my friends out here, um, you know, some of whom are Christians and some aren't, there's just so much hurt from the church in so many people's lives that with whom I interact. And, and I think some of the hurt that I see so much is um, some about like hypocrisy or things like that from the actual church. But I also just hear so much pain from friends who, who tried to hear Jesus and, and, and just didn't. And so I take it as this tremendous privilege that I hear from Jesus. I don't know if that's, I don't know how much of that's just a gift. And and so I want to steward it really well or how much of it is, you know, maybe they just heard things they didn't want to hear and, and that was hard. And so they just assumed they weren't hearing. I, mm-hmm. I certainly can't say, but I think there's, um, I, I think so I guess that's actually more about like how it's been formed that I think my ability to be just radically honest is really how Jesus and I have connected so much. And I guess that's also probably the answer though to how it's maintained um, right. is that that doesn't, I, I, I trust when, when Jesus invites me to something that even if it's hard, that it's, it's, it's unto life for me. And I think I keep just knowing um, that Jesus is so committed to life yeah, and it sounds like um, a lot of what, when you're hearing from God, it is sounds, from what you've spoken today, just very rooted in Scripture. What does hearing from God look like? Um, I don't know that I actually know how to describe it, but um, I think that, yeah, I think I I do hang out in Scripture a decent bit, and his, and throughout my life I have. And so I think something of knowing how the Bible portrays Jesus has both Old and New Testament has given like a decent sense of um, personification for me. And um, and so I think I can I think what I you know, I hear, you know, so I I work at the uh, in the psych unit of a hospital. And so when I work with patients um, who often have just. Um, either are suicidal or have recently been who are just in so much pain and agony 
I just hear when people are desperate and just crying out for some kind of relief from the distress that they're in, whether uh, job loss or relationship change or loss, um, something that where the ground was stable underneath them at some point and it no longer is. I just hear in in these patients so easily that that's just the kind of person Jesus would be so drawn to tending to, to listening mm-hmm. to, to being near. Um, yeah. And so, so I do think there are times where I very overtly hear from God in a Christian, you need to do this or, you know, stop doing that or, you know, in directional things in my life. But I think so much more is just the ability to pay attention to, you know, what, what reminds me of Jesus in the world. And often it's pain and, and I'm a mental health therapist, so I'm around it a lot in, in my, you know, unique setting. Um, but in, in my friends' lives, in my family's lives, um, I think, I think just that I feel like I've come to know Jesus through scripture enough to be able to recognize him in my world a lot. And, and just as much to say like, Oh, I don't think that's of God. I don't, this doesn't feel like a, you know, to be yeah. able to, to hear the no, just as much as the yes. That's good. I think that there's a lot of insight in that. Thank you. Um, well, Kristen, this has been a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with you and, yeah. and, um, hearing a little bit of your journey and also just, um, I think you can speak a lot into, to women's lives, <laughs> especially, but men too. Um, and so I really appreciate you sharing your experiences, but also the wisdom yeah. that you've gained from it. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And, um, I will, just because it is something I'm passionate about, I will just go ahead and say that um, if on the podcast, I assume you will spell my name because Kristen Gilfillan is not the easiest to spell. But if you just Google that and um, the topic that I spoke about was, uh, um, yeah, well, all temples I've seen are huge. And (laughs) it's like a 20 minute talk and it really does delve into uh, a lot deeper and richer sort of scope about these things that I'm really passionate in terms of body size. So if you don't mind that brief plug. Oh, absolutely. And I will probably add that link to, um, I'll tag you on Facebook and then I'll put that link in the bottom. Um, I think that I can share it on there because I watched it and I was just really cut to the heart by it. Like I just Mm. thought it like that was something I needed to hear and um, something that and added attitudes that I wrestle with that I I need um, Jesus to speak into my life about. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think it's abundant life. If, um, if the people around us never, never see us move our bodies with joy or never see us enjoying food or knowing how to rest. And I don't think that it will be a a well-lived life. If at anyone's funeral, they spoke about someone's thigh gap, right? Like, (laughs) Like that's that. That's just that does not feel like abundance, and and I think no. we're called to abundance, and so absolutely, I'm just pretty committed to finding it. Whew, we talked about several good and challenging topics in Kristen's story. In the church, we talk a lot about diversity in the church related to race, age, demographics, etc. And my recent talks with Kristen have helped me to see yet another way that people are feeling ostracized and or unrepresented, body size and shape. Honestly, 
I felt very challenged by my conversation with Kristen because I have spent so much of my life in education pursuing fitness, nutrition, and body wellness. So this was a really good check for me to ask, what is wellness and how does a health professional, a sister in Christ, and friend help others take care of their bodies? Well, obviously this can be a touchy subject, but I think ultimately it means not judging by appearances and being a good listener. And by being a good listener, responding to what their goals are instead of imposing my goals on them. Christ has made everyone different in color, height, bone width, shape, and metabolism. And I hope and pray that we can continue to move forward in celebrating the beauty of all these diversities. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to follow and not miss an episode is to subscribe. Listen to an encouraging story each week. Thanks for listening. Be encouraged and tell your story too.